This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Value Inspiration Podcast. My name is Ton Dobber, and I'm the founder of Value Inspiration. The purpose of my company is to help business software companies rethink what can be to become remarkable again. The goal that I have with this podcast is to inspire new forms of value creation by sharing compelling ideas and stories about the potential that we can unlock when technology and people blend in the right way. So my strong belief is that we can think big, and therefore we should. And doing so will help to create a better world for all of us. This podcast is all about that. The guest on my podcast this week is Christian Gutmann, Global Head of Artificial Intelligence at Cheto. I was very fascinated about building, you know, something that has an intelligent capacity, something that has a cognitive ability to make, you know, to understand the world around us. I've also been doing research in this area, looking at predicting and preempting certain events that may happen with patients that have several uh, comorbidities, for example, that have chronic conditions. The big deal, really, the bottom line is it's, it saves lives. You know, it augments the, 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 the healthcare system. It helps doctors as well as patients and, in fact, also the executives of, let's say, clinics and hospitals in ways to understand data and the patient journey in a very different way. Where it's also clear that you have a clear benefit to patients and you have reduction of costs, for example, in hospitals, or you know, you reduce uh, queuing lines and so on for, for elective surgeries and so on. I love this combination. I think there's increased evidence also that you have these combined teams of an of an AI and a doctor, for example, right? You you just gain gain a lot. And as a doctor, you can spend more face time with the patient. And I think many people welcome that. This is Christian. He's responsible for strategy and execution of artificial intelligence and machine learning in order to create high-impact AI systems and products, patents, and scientific publications. Christian has progressed artificial intelligence for over 25 years. And his contribution to its evolution for both a business as well as an academic perspective. He has led teams at BT, IBM, HP, successful startups, and top-ranked universities. His drive is to advance AI technology, science, and business to new heights for societal prosperity in teams of bright and passionate minds. This triggered me, hence I invited Christian to be the guest on my podcast. And during our interview, we will explore the ways technologies such as AI and machine learning can have an exponential impact on our healthcare system. How it not only helps with reduction of cost, but more importantly, how it can help to remove frustration bottlenecks and increase the quality of life of many more people. And by listening to this podcast, you will learn three things. Firstly, what to do different these days to ensure the best possible outcome of your solution. Secondly, why technologies such as AI and machine learning require us to give a broader consideration to our solution. Think, for example, about societal issues it can create. And thirdly, how solving big problems with AI is not always a matter of focusing on data, but often one of figuring out the framework. 
So, Christian, to get the podcast started, can you introduce yourself and tell the audience a little bit about your background, what you've been doing, and, and who you work for? Absolutely, yeah. So, uh, my name is Christian Goodman, and uh, thanks so much, uh, Tom, for inviting me to the podcast. I have been uh, working in art- artificial intelligence for perhaps the last 25 years, and I have a background uh, in possibly three areas. Worked in AI from a scientific point of view, I have a PhD, I was an adjunct professor at uh, the UNSW in, uh, in Australia. Uh, then I worked and started a number of startups in this space and worked for large international corporations. And so right now, one of my, one of my roles and one of my main role is at, uh, at Tieto being the global head of artificial intelligence and data science, being the chief uh, AI officer here, chief AI scientist. And uh, yeah, essentially really supporting the transformation process for Tieto in, into this new age of AI and also for our customers in this space. Interesting. So 25 years already in this space. What's, what drove you to, uh, to pick this topic already 25 years ago? Yeah, uh, I think it is just uh, extremely fascinating. Indeed, when I, you know, started studies uh, and got really interested in this field, you know, I, did, I studied both. It was psychology and uh, computer science and AI. And it was quite amazing to see how we, you know, learning how we humans are uh, making decisions, how we act, how we behave, learning from this type of uh, intelligent behavior, and, and then see how you can engineer this type of behavior to some extent, you know, in, in systems. So when I did these two courses, for example, it was actually a lot of overlaps between these two areas where on one hand, I learned, for example, how our memory works uh, and how we make decisions, you know, as, a, as humans and, and even animals and then turn this into like decision-making algorithms and in fact, neural networks in this space. So I was very fascinated about building, you know, something that has an intelligent capacity, something that has a co- cognitive ability to make, you know, to understand the world around us and, and perhaps in the early days I was uh, you know inspired being being a bit bit younger you know to really see how, how far we can bring this and having an, a, a, a body you know some system that we can actually interact with on a on a smart level and in fact are we working on some of those projects at Tieto uh, 2 here which is very very good can you tell a little bit about the projects you're doing and has it a specific focus on a sector or domain mm-hmm. So yes, so Tieto is also involved in many types of industries and we have different horizontals that we apply, where we are applying different types of AI approaches to these industries. So, you know, for example, we have uh, technologies in chatbots and natural language processing. We use machine vision for the retail space uh, and also in healthcare and, and well-being where we start looking at how patients are, you know, uh, developing and how we can actually focus and target certain audiences and in, in in, in, in population segments and try to identify early and preventatively how they might be affected by you know, medical conditions and then inter- intervene early on in those types of processes. I mean, what we can possibly go a little bit deeper into is certainly healthcare and well-being and then the, you know, on the topic that I mentioned before, but it's pretty yeah. broadly set up. Interesting. So, yeah, I mean, also because we are, I know Cheto from my personal uh, background as well. I've co- I came from the ERP space and I, I've worked with a lot of cases with my Swedish colleagues at Unit 4 at, the, at that time, whereby there was competition between Tieto in the public sector and the healthcare space itself. But this is a completely different mm-hmm. uh, different domain. This is now more from your mm-hmm. perspective on how do you influence the, the end customer of, of such an organization. So, so what is it exactly mm-hmm. about when you're talking about improving the well-being of patients? What is, mm-hmm. the, what is the big mm-hmm. idea behind that? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, 
Where to start? I mean, I'm also, uh, when you look at my background, I'm, uh, I have been working, uh, you know, possibly 10, 15 years now, particularly in the AI and healthcare space. And I'm also here at the Karolinska Institute as an adjunct uh, researcher. So this space is very wide. We have, you know, I've also been doing research in this area, looking at uh, predicting and preempting certain events that may happen with patients that have several uh, comorbidities, for example, that have chronic conditions. And so the big idea is really that if you can help this process, if you understand, you know, patients or citizen segments in how they are behaving, what type of background they have medically today, when you look back also at the history and possibly other data sources, such as their, you know, uh, genetic profile, perhaps making them, you know, more vulnerable to uh, certain conditions, or um, also comparing this with other types of uh, patients, uh, anonymously, of course, you know, of, of how they have been progressing, then you're much better able to sort of predict which journey they are taking. And once you know that in that position as a doctor, for example, you better, you, you can make choices that will help the patient better. So the big deal really, the bottom line is it's, it saves lives. You know, it augments the, 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 the healthcare system. It helps doctors as well as patients and in fact also the executives of let's say clinics and hospitals and ways to understand data and the patient journey in a very different way and you know that that is one of those things that uh, that we are working on so it's about analyzing all these these layers of data and combining them uh, understanding the patterns and do something <clears> using exactly them. Yeah, and I think also there's of course the you know you can really divide data into different to different segments. There is data that we that has been collected now for quite some time. You know, medical history data. Those are often EHR records, and perhaps what's a bit special here in the Nordics is that due to the personal number and and, and uh, registrations of diseases, we also have a pretty accurate data set on certain conditions. And by collecting this, you know, it gives you an insight as to, you know, what procedures and operations, for example, have been done with these patients. So that's one source. And and other sources come from, for example, today much more from more non-traditional sources like wearable devices or uh, also now with the what we know about DNA and how uh, genetical uh, genetic makeup influences this information. So, so we don't, inf- you know, we don't have this whole part of our platform today. But one of our ambitions is to make this more part of this platform. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, that, that's an interesting thing in itself. Like, how do you get this data? And is this data widely available? Mm. And that brings me also to yeah, the whole journey that you've been through in order to to get where you are with the solution right now. So mm. talking mm. about this about the journey of this solution. Can you explain a little bit about the aha moments? When did you came, well, well when, did, when did Tieto come up with, or came up with this idea? And mm. what has happened? What are the big mm. things that have happened over, the, over time to understand now or to, to release the product? Mm. Mm-hmm. So indeed, I mean, I would, uh, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm still a bit new at, at Tieton. Uh, the, 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 our leader in this, for this particular project uh, is uh, Matti Ristemaki. He knows exact details about this particular product. But because I have been working in this field uh, so long, there's certainly certain trends. And these aha moments that you, you mentioned, when I talk to customers around the world in the healthcare sector, that, you know, doctors, for example, they really come in when you start seeing two things. You see the complexity of the problem. So you see, when you look at a patient today, for example, right, uh, you in today's practice, you have very little information and tools 
you know, at at your hand when you try to diagnose or advise the the patient. So by that, I mean, for example, when you look at the enormous amount of medical journals that are published, you know, every year, being up to date about this type of knowledge, when you realize that the medical records that an individual patient has is very, very long, can stretch over decades, perhaps, there's very little chance for a doctor to process all this information, make it immediately available. I think once you draw this this picture of complexity, uh, two stakeholders, you know, patient organizations or or doctors, they will start seeing, well, you know, there's obviously a need. And this is in many ways also a perfect application for for AI because it can uh, make sense of this data. It can start delivering something that is tailored to your to your need in making a better decision or perhaps to guide the, the patient so it would be directed to the patient. As we are laying this out as a product and solution, it is this aha moment that really occurs in, in the room, at least for some. And then exactly as you say, there is a whole bunch of discussion ar- around the data the and the privacy and so on. But uh, you clearly see a trend. You, see more of those aha moments occurring, particularly in the healthcare space, I think. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, first of all, I've, I've had a couple of inter- interviews already with mm. people within the healthcare space. One of the uh, interviews mm. that uh, I recorded a couple of weeks ago was, was with Suzanne Baars from the Netherlands, mm. the founder mm. of uh, the Human Genome Foundation. And mm. her big, big ambition is to save, well, again, millions of lives by making DNA available across the blockchain mm. so that it not only uh, is there in a protected way and, and it can only be adapted or by, be changed by, by the owner itself, but it can also be available mm. to find mm. solutions. And that might, mm. at, a, at a larger scale, also be a piece of the information, a piece of the puzzle that you're looking mm. for, for example, solutions in Sweden. Mm. So there's an interesting thing happening exactly. here. It's, it's really mm. about exponential thinking here to solve this problem. Mm. So let me see if you, you explained how you got to the idea and, and what, was, what was driving this decision to come up with a solution for this. Were there mm. any special moments or any special decisions that need to be, needed to be taken in order to ensure a remarkable outcome? And what I mean is what you typically see when, when you start a solution and you think you're going in one direction, it evolves and you end up in some, in some other direction. And in many cases, mm. it's easy to, to drift off and to start focusing on the small things where you actually better focus mm. on the, the main impacts that create this 10x result. Were there any of mm. those moments? Mm. You know? mm. Yeah, I'm thinking. I mean, now I'm reaching out a little bit broader, perhaps. I mean, so essentially you're looking at the, 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 the enabler, right? I mean, when you, for yep. example, look in the startup world, you need to be so focused on doing one thing extremely right. You know, being world leading in some sense and really stick out. You know, that can come from a technological perspective or marketing perspective. If you take it at Google, they do until today and have done for 20 years, essentially providing superior search results. That's their main thing. They're really good at that. And in fact, they're using a fair fair amount of, you know, early stage AI for for those uh, types of things, interpreting what you put into the Google search box and so on. So exactly. And then with that, with such a... uh, fundamental sort of technology, which is in its essence uh, quite simple to explain, you know, they're obviously having a huge market share now and uh, have applied a lot of different different topics. So 
I think in healthcare, it is, of course, a little bit more complex in the sense, you know, that you need to really look carefully at the data. Uh, As you said, genetic data and genetics is possibly not much different because it's all about how much do you as an individual have control over this, over this situation. And I think in healthcare, we are all very conscious about how to do this right. One enabling technology there, which potentially can, can help us is, of course, you know, blockchain, uh, you know, that will hopefully help us making more progress towards this and 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 therefore we have more as individuals more control of where our data goes and therefore enabling better ai processes of course on top of this data i'm thinking of specific moments i mean when i am in a in a room where we are finding out you know the processes that are underlying. So when we have a discussion, for example, with a uh, medical doctor who's a specialist in diabetes, in uh, nephrology, and and certain other conditions, and we explain the process, I think what often happens is we reveal um, insights in this process, which are often a little, how to say, not explicit to the doctors yeah. because they do it every day, and you know it's something they do normal. But as soon as you start a dialogue and in, in using AI in the system, you often need to be more uh, more explicit and more, you know, to, to describe the process more. And once you're able to do this, it's all, often these insightful moments that can make a real difference in your machine learning model or in, into your AI model because you just built it in a different way, and it gives you results about say outcomes of patients in quite a different way. So. Specific example would be when you actually have a patient with many different comorbidities, you need to start thinking outside these typical lines and pathways of diseases, which often exist. So in diabetes, you would have certain expectations of what should be done. But if you combine this with two or three other conditions, it becomes actually quite a complex picture with potentially mm-hmm. conflicting uh, best practice you know, guidelines, you know. So that is something that you would need to consider. And again, machines and AIs have the potential to understand this better. And this is in part also part of our our platform that we're offering uh, here currently. Yeah. Is it already applied in uh, in Sweden or in other countries in Mm -hmm. the Nordics? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have uh, we have really good, very fantastic cases in Finland mostly, and also the city of Espoo and the uh, University of uh, not the University the Helsinki Hospital. And yeah, we have some really good uh, traction with with those uh, companies. Cool. In fact, and what what has been your experience with the adoption of this or the the acceptance of it? Hmm. Yeah. It's a very good question. I think healthcare, now we name it, I think there's a lot of enthusiasm, and certainly also from me, because I see so much potential. They are meant to be, you know, they are processes which are meant to be very well explained and well lined out but for doctors, for surgeries, for hospitals. There are lots of procedures. And then at the same time, we also have a lot of data that is available, whether the state is always perfectly prepared for lots of, you know, AI tasks. That's a different question. But yes, there are certain spaces where adoption is happening quicker. And they often have to do with like, you know, where it's also clear that you have a clear benefit to patients and you have reduction of costs, for example, in hospitals, sure. or, you know, you reduce uh, queuing lines and so on for, for elective surgeries and so on. So that is where adoption obviously happens a bit quicker. And yeah, so that the 
that would be one. And where it happens slower is, is of course, in situations where there's unclarity about how much autonomy, autonomy you would start lending to these AIs in some yeah. sense, you know, when they give you advice on, on where, what to, what to do or what you potentially could do and so on. But I think there are more and more, I mean, more and more uh, successful cases, which which go beyond this proof of concept stage and are starting to be implemented. So, so perhaps another quick example would be radiology, right? So I think uh, it's becoming increasingly clear with uh, also scientific evidence mounting that when you have MRIs and images and need to uh, scan and observe abnormalities and yeah. those types of scans, this has become uh, become increasingly good. And I think we're very close to make this for this to becoming a bit of a standard uh, approach, you know, for the AI to start really understanding understanding what's in these MRIs and X-rays, for example, at hospitals. Yeah. yeah, at the end, it's it's not taking away the the need for the expert to, to be involved. I, I'm not sure where mm. I saw the, the, the statistic, but I think it was in a TED talk about the mm. argument was that, yes, AI can do a very good job and uh, possibly the same or even better than a, than a person. But when you combine the two together, you exponentially mm. increase the impact. Mm. That's, that's, I think, where the real exactly. power yeah. Exactly, exactly. I, I completely agree. I, I, like uh, some of the research and projects I did in the past, and I'm bringing much of that thinking into into Tieton, into the Nordics, and into uh, uh, Karolinska. It's a lot this combination. I think there's increased evidence also that you have these combined teams of an of an AI and a doctor, for example, right? You you just gain gain a lot. You know, you, you should play to your strength and you should play to what you're really interested and focused on. And I think few doctors would say that, oh, I, I really love when the patient is in my room. I really love to, uh, you know, start typing things into the computer, you know, and then be, you know, spend half of my time really entering data, for example, right? And there are starting to be solutions out there where you have to do this less and less. And as a doctor, you can spend more face time with the patient. And I think many people welcome that. And that would be a system, you know, where an AI can perhaps record these types of interactions automatically to some extent. Yeah. And, and so the, these are, that's where we see some real, some real guidelines. And perhaps another example, I mean, the, in, the, in Australia, we used a system uh, which is now rolled out really on chronic disease management. So uh, when you have patients that have chronic condition, we use artificial agents in the background that would assist everyone in this care team for people that have diabetes in, in looking what the next steps are in, in the process, for example. So that includes doctors, patients, pathologists, you know, foot doctors, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, uh, this, uh, this is going, this is a really good example and a lot of potential for us to do really well, I think. Yeah. And I likely it's going to, to save a lot of time for the patients as well, because, you know, normally mm. you, you would have to wait for the results and the analysis being done. So it's like we make, an, we make a new appointment in three weeks from now. Where now mm. it's like it can be okay if you wait for half an hour, mm. possibly you can say, well, let's let's look at the outcome right now. Mm. It's exactly, it's split, it's split time. So that's cool. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Mm. So based based on what you what you've learned over, over your your twenty five year career, but and and the, the startups that you've done and the work that you've been doing, well, in in Australia and here now in Sweden these days, are there any special tips or advice you could give? To, for example, ISVs that want to start in this space or to specific end-user organizations that, that need a little bit more of convincing, possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think one big advice is truly to see, to get the right people into the room. I mean, 
uh, I think we discussed it a bit before the uh, before. You know what what is required to really get your head around the topic of AI, machine learning, and natural language processing. And I think for the parties involved, at one end, perhaps startups, which start off with ambitious ideas, but also the um, receivers of such technologies like clinics and hospitals and the healthcare system, it's very important to have someone in the room that knows this topic deep. You try to connect to real experts that you know have you know have both possibly three qualities that they bring in. One is the scientific and technological depth. You know, it requires almost a PhD and, and a strong scientific understanding of, of the topic. Another one is to uh, you know under, have industry experience, really understanding when and how it was most meaningful and successful to use these AI system. Because the way you're working between, an, let's say, a product owner and a customer and and the you know AI engineers, this is very different to how it was in the past where you had specifications and then execution. And then also the third one is that this uh, this individual or this partner starts having a clear understanding about societal issues around this. I mean, what are the ethical questions that, that may bubble up in certain uh, certain industry areas? You know, what type of uh, qualities would we like to achieve when it comes to AI implementations? Because there's an autonomy aspect to implementing AI, and that is something that you would really like to consider. So get someone in the room you know that really knows this, and try try to review that uh, that background and the and the credibility of that source that advises you in this process is very very important. I've, I've, the reason why I'm saying that is you know I've seen many cases where projects have been guided or frameworks have been created and products have been developed without that knowledge, and then you end up being in a difficult situation sometimes. You end up with a solution is looking for a problem rather than the other way around. Yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, also another good good point. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, and it's also often that you start using technology for technology's sake because it's cool. Mm, yeah, exactly. And you know, I mean, when you really look at it, I I wouldn't claim I'm the exact complete expert on that, but often it's a little bit of both. But you're right. I often advocate to really think about what type of problems you would like to solve and then you know and then see if if for example an ai is the best and right path to, to go but sometimes it goes the other way around right i mean if you have fantastic te- technology and you know people start embracing that too without having understood the problem first so yeah um, yeah it's a good point mm. <laughs> that's a very good uh, very good tip and i think they're yeah, both the end user market and but also isvs could learn a lot from this so if mm. you look about what is on your agenda and, and for example, in these projects here in health, what's next? Where do you see the, mm. the, the next big thing arriving? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some, there are some, I mean, there are some intermediate things that will happen in the next few years. I think, I mean, every, as I mentioned, it will be very difficult to actually say there's like this one big step for the entire AI field and all industries. It's a bit tough to say. Perhaps, although I will, will make a, I will make an attempt in a, in a, in a second. Uh, but certainly, when it comes to the smaller steps that will be significant and and important to scale up, I see them in many industries. So you know, in self-driving cars, on healthcare, and that that is the same in our products where we start to deal with the first steps. You know, an 0.1 or 0.2 version of, for example detecting uh, abnormalities in in scans that's the first step and then then we have so many more steps to do so many more opportunities to go for uh, where this diagnosis process could be supported even better 
you know, where you, where you start really including other data sources and so on. The same with self, self-driving cars, for example. So that's on that level. I mean, this is, I think we should overall think about AI in that way. It's like really uh, step by step, we're moving forward. There will not be like the big, big move where next year everyone has AI and it will completely revolutionize the world. That will not happen very quickly. And then, but then the big steps that I'm foreseeing, there's probably two trends that I'm seeing, and they would be applicable to all industries and all horizontals in AI. One is that this very strong focus on data alone is not always necessary. Like the AlphaGo Zero from Google last year and this year that was was also received our uh, Ichikai Award, which is sort of the uh, Nobel Prize in AI this year. Mm -hmm. The good version, they didn't actually use human input, human data uh, over, over time. What the AI had and then figured out completely itself was just the rules of the game, if you like. So just the framework. And this is fundamentally different to what has been done, you know, 20 years ago with, uh, for example, the blue and chess chess playing and so where you essentially had a huge team of people that would make sense of a big of a lot of uh, information about human knowledge. So so that is something where we actually uh, the AI will become more autonomous and independent of data that we might have addressed. And the other part that I'm seeing is really that the structures, the architectures, the hardware is, is changing. So there are a number of attempts by big, uh, large corporations in the U.S. that look at neuromorphic chips, for example, and also quantum computers. So this is a little bit more speculative, but in principle, these uh, computers do not rely on the so-called von Neumann architecture, which essentially mm-hmm. all computers we have today have these old systems from the 40s or 30s, which works, of course, perfectly fine. But I think new arch- new architectures and new hardware can really uh, bring bring uh, quite an interesting twist to this whole uh, processing of, of information and how we inject intelligence into these processes. Yeah, I completely agree on that one. I had an interview last week mm-hmm. with uh, AJ Adelet from... Uh, Beyond, mm-hmm. beyond uh, AI or beyond uh, limits. Oh, yes. And they are mm-hmm. doing exactly this. So that's... Yeah, uh, here we go. That's, that's very that's good. One of the biggest steps that, that are coming. And it, particularly uh, the part where the, the focus is on the framework to figure out things yourself. Mm. That's a big step mm. forward. Mm. Mm. So no, interesting to see how it is unfolds. If you could ask the audience a question in terms of how they could help you or or understand mm. what mm. they are, what's what's going on in their mind uh, in terms of mm. the, the big challenge. What question would mm. you ask? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I think one of the important topics, and I like to understand that is how, you know, to what extent do you today know how artificial intelligence will influence your organization, what value it brings to your organization, to your business, if I now speak to the business, you know, the business uh, part of the audience. And I think this is, I'm very curious to understand where people are in their current thinking process yeah. and how how evolved this, this has been. I mean, some companies might think they have it already sorted out and they have a complete AI strategy in place. And though in reality, perhaps it is much more focused on, uh, on, a, on a data strategy, on a business intelligence strategy. And so, so because it's much broader. So I would be terribly interested to understand that uh, more. And at the same time, you know, I'm more than happy f- for people to reach out and, and ask questions uh, either at the, uh, you know, the podcast that you will be broadcasting and just really in- curious where their thinking processes, you know, towards, 
more AI enablement in the future where they see the augmentation happening in, in society and in businesses. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. yeah, talking about that last part, where mm -hmm. should people go if they want to find more if they want to find more about you? If they want to say hello. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good, uh, very good question. So I think one source is, you know, I'm I'm quite active on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn, and I'm very uh, open. So please reach out. You know, I use generally very open uh, LinkedIn policy, and also reach out to me on those media outlets. I share a lot of very good information by mostly my colleagues around the world, and I think this is, you know, that is something where you can easily reach out. Those two channels. That's that's easy. I think. Okay. Well, thank you very much, uh, Christian, for your uh, very inspiring uh, input here and your contribution of, of knowledge as well. This was mm, really, uh, thank you. really interesting. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much. And it takes two to uh, dance the tango. So your questions were really great. Thanks. Thank you. It was a pleasure. And for everybody else that was listening today, thank you for tuning in. I had the honor to speak to Christian Gutmann, Global Head of Artificial Intelligence at Tieto. The goal of this podcast is to share compelling ideas and showcases to inspire what can be when technology and people blend in the right way. It's my strong belief that too much focus is put on automating people out of a process, in other words, cutting costs, rather than scenarios where the unique strength of people are augmented with technology to change the established rules and to deliver a value that was unimaginable before. So with this podcast, I want to make a contribution to change this to create a broader awareness of what can be, to accelerate the adoption by bringing together you, a tribe of like-minded people and organizations, and lastly, to accelerate the initiatives and solutions that could be created because one idea inspires the other. So if you know about stories that are worth sharing, please send me a message. Building the momentum all starts with revealing the ideas, and that starts with you. If you want to have more information, read my blogs, or obtain information on working with me, just visit me on my website, valueinspiration.com. Thank you for tuning in. And you could do me a big favor by rating the podcast or provide me with your feedback. I'll see you shortly in a new episode. Coming up on 5-Minute News. I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily.